Uh, welcome to A Command of Her Own, a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin. And I'm your host, Jen. This week we're discussing the 1997 film, The Fifth Element, which was written and directed as well, I believe, by Luc Besson. And stars Bruce Willis, Mila Jovovich, among others, whose names I don't have in front of me. So, but Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman, yes, many familiar faces. Chris Tucker. Yes. I can never remember Chris Tucker. I remember watching this as a kid mm-hmm. and thinking, like, like n- I don't know how to describe it. Like, thinking that was Chris Tucker, mm-hmm. but just not thinking that this is a movie Chris Tucker would do. So not, so just mm-hmm. thinking that they hired someone impersonating Chris Tucker. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, for the longest time, I thought, he looks like Chris Tucker, but I don't think it is Chris Tucker. <laughs> okay, well, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know why I had this in my head for so long, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I tried to look up the priest's apprentice, assistant, whatever it was, because he he was seeming really familiar to me this time watching through. Mm-hmm. And I, I couldn't place it. And because there's so many famous people in this movie, I couldn't actually find him when I was trying to go through and be like, is that him? Is that him? No, is that him? And. Well, apparently his name is Charlie Creed Miles. Okay. And he's been in some stuff. Nothing that really stands out to me, though. It may just be because I've seen this movie a million times. Charlie Creed Miles. Oh, he's been in King Arthur. I have seen that. So what I find is, of the same time period, he reminds me a lot of Colin Hanks. Colin Hanks. The son of Tom Hanks. Oh, okay. He was an actor. Or he is an actor. Uh, at the, around the same time, he oh, yeah. was in Roswell. And he just sort of had the same look as this guy. Okay. So I guess in the same way that I thought they had a fake Chris Tucker, <laughs> I feel like they had an actually fake Colin Hanks. Okay. Or at least that's who he makes me think of. And I think why... Like, why when I look at him, I think he looks familiar. I'm pretty sure I'm thinking of of Colin Hanks. Right. Right. So, Kate, you and I have both seen this before. We have. Was this a favorite of yours? Yeah, I love this movie. Okay. I also love this movie. It has a very sentimental place. Mm -hmm. I think I saw it in theaters. And I would have been 11 or 12. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I was trying to figure out when to watch it. And we had like hosting and like Mother's Day and going out. And so like the schedule was very full. And at one point I even briefly considered like, well, I guess I could put it on while the kids are around. And then because I, I was like, yeah, there's like violence in action. And then I was like, uh, no, but there's some pretty adult moments too <laughs> that uh, I don't want to discuss with my children yet. <laughs> or have them imitating. <laughs> so, no. So it was a very late watch last night, but... Yeah, I 100% agree with you, mm-hmm. which just makes, like, looking back on my own childhood and how my parents did not care at all makes zero sense to me. Well, it's rated PG. So, like, 11, 12 
is fine. Not just like, this movie. Oh, lots of movies, yeah. Yeah, like, when I was eight, my favorite movie was Total Recall. <laughs> okay. Okay. And that I watched at my grandparents' house. <laughs> so, I don't... All right. I, I don't know. It just seems very strange to me now that I look back on it. It seemed normal at the time. I'm not in favor of censorship for my children. Mm-hmm. Um, they can watch what they want to watch. But there's also things that they would not... That would not be on their radar. That I'm not going to, like introduced to them right like right so like if they're growing up and there's a movie with like adult content that they are aware of and that they request to see then that's one thing but i'm not gonna put on like adult content and like show it to them unsolicited kind of idea yeah see well i guess my mom would put on a movie that she wanted to watch and then wouldn't care if we watched it with her Mm -hmm. so i don't know and I really only remember that turning out poorly for me once. And that was actually something that I put on. My parents would sometimes do that as well. They just put on stuff. and But it was always at a time when we were like, when we were old enough to entertain ourselves. My four-year-old still wants to be wherever we are in the house. Mm-hmm. So like in a couple years, it'll be to the point where like, it's like, yeah, no, it's my time to watch this. And if you want to stay, that's fine. You'll probably find it boring. Right. Um, but right now, my four-year-old just, like, wants to still play with us and be helping us do whatever we're doing, so. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, in case our listeners haven't figured it out, we don't have any particular announcements for this week. Uh, haven't had any major Star Trek Discovery news come up. Uh, hopefully they're just hard at work filming everything and we're just gonna continue on discussing the movie yeah so kate after you watched it for this podcast how do you feel about it well (laughs) i'm rather upset that you made me watch this critically because the plot doesn't make any sense whatsoever and 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 before when i watched it i was like this is just a fun time movie people saving the world But this time, I'm just like, why is this happening? I don't... Nothing makes sense. Okay. Well, Mm -hmm. I'm... I'm kind of glad that you brought that up. Because it it makes it consistent with some of your other opinions. uh, About things making sense. Because I had that thought after I watched it that I was... It's basically... This arbitrary, malevolent force that comes with no motivation to try and destroy humanity. Mm-hmm. And I Every was like... 5,000 years? So, like, is there another one coming? But now the Supreme Being's hu- human? Does she die? Does she age? It... What? I... I need... <clears throat> <laughs> but even on, like, a smaller scale, why were the police chasing them, Jen? Why? Uh, that is a good question. Well, she did escape. Right, but what, that situation also, like, oh, some people blew up when they were coming to help us. We found what we could, a survivor, but then after we cloned it or whatever, we taunted it and we locked it up and we treated it poorly, even though we were trying to get on better terms with these people who we just let blow up. And Like, none of that situation made 
any fucking sense whatsoever. See, I you know what that... I think we should do. What? <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Just, I was thinking about this last week. We should probably do like a one or two sentence sum up of the plot, just in case <laughs> people are listening who have never seen this. That's that's not a bad idea. Um, do you do you want to record that now and then you get to edit it? No, I'm just I'm not going to edit it. I'm just going to okay. put it in here. Okay. Um. So the fifth element, just to in case you put haven't in a seen sum it, up here in case you haven't seen it. Um. Shit, what is it about? Wait, here, wait. I'll just get the Wikipedia here. Okay, so it's a sci-fi film. Central plot, survival of planet Earth, which becomes the responsibility of Corbin Dallas, a taxi cab driver and former special forces major, after a young woman falls into his cab. Um, Dallas joins forces with her to recover four mystical stones, essential for the defense of Earth against an impending attack. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, that sums it up. That sums it up pretty well. Except it doesn't make any sense. Well, okay. So going back to what you were saying about how, like, you know, this person blows up ostensibly coming to help them and then they don't treat it very well. I found Mm -hmm. that very realistic. Like, that was like, yeah, of course the government would do that. I mean, could you imagine just like on a a smaller scale, um, you know, Canada is suddenly under a great ominous threat that we don't understand and this random priest says someone's coming to help they're in this van and the van's on the way to canada's border and blows up (laughs) do you think that we would not treat the the people who survived that van with a little caution especially when you know they're in wherever spot they're in and they just break out of it and start running how how do you think the government would respond (sighs) But, like, she broke out because she was locked in and because he was taunting her. Oh, yeah, that guy was a total ass. Um, But also, like, the entire movie... Okay, so first of all, I... A little bit of background. This is a story that was actually written by Luc Besson when he was a teenager. Mm -hmm. And I find it very in keeping with what a teen boy would write while immersed in our current socio-political climate. Every woman is an object. Yeah. Um, And yeah, it's just, that's completely reinforced the entire time. Um, Even Lilu is, um, you know, the scientists ogle her, are drooling over her. Uh, when they decide to take pictures of her is when she, like, awakens and tries to break out. And I I love the performance that Mila Jovovich gives to it. Even when, like, she's, she's out on the edge of the building and the police, like, are calling at her from the inside. Mm-hmm. And they're like, stay calm. This is the police. Turn around. Blah, blah, blah. And the look she gives them, like the utter annoyance of like, you imbeciles. And she just mm-hmm. walks away around the corner of the building. And the police are like, well, clearly she didn't understand what we were saying. And it's like, no, she understood pretty well what you're saying. This is just like her interpretation and reaction to your idiocy and the way you're treating her. Yeah. 
And just to throw out there, she is 20 years younger than Bruce Willis. Yes, I looked that up as well. That is ridiculous. Yes. And and even their romance, like, even though it's supposed to be centered around her, the fifth element, the story is about Corbin. Yeah. Like, that's that's who it's focused on. He says right away, like, you know, he just wants the right woman. Um, and then when he meets her and starts talking about her, he's just describing her physically. Yep. And, yeah. So, but I, I do love the character of Lilu. Yeah. And she does at least arc a bit. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Like, and I, that all felt very contrived. And, 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 and once again, was one of the things that didn't make any sense. The fact that she had a moment of doubt. Well, that whole thing, like, she's so focused and on point until, mm-hmm. what, she gets shot at a bit? And after beating up a bunch of people, mm-hmm. she's, like, in that sort of ceilingy area. And you can tell that, like, when they sort of flash to seeing her there, she's still awake. She can still move, but she's just lying there, pleading for help. Mm. For no, you know? And then the next time you see her, she is passed out, but I don't know. That just felt stupid. Mm. Like, it, it didn't, it, it didn't jive with what else we'd seen of her. And then it's after that, that somehow she's become, like, not helpful at all. Like, it, she Corbin is just carrying her around for the rest of the movie. Hmm. And it doesn't look like she's been particularly injured. I know, I was gonna say, I, like, I think that they had her get shot, but then they didn't make her look like she'd been shot. <sighs> yeah. So, I don't... Why was she... What was What was happening there? Hmm. I can't remember that particular fight scene well enough in my mind to... It's the one where, like, she's just beat up all the alien dudes. Mm -hmm. And then Gary Oldman shows up and she throws the box at him and then turns around and jumps up into the ceiling. And then he shoots at the ceiling while she's in there. Right. Hmm. Also, nobody knows how to open a fucking box in this movie. Like, maybe (laughs) check what's in the box before you set the bomb. <laughs> yeah. Gary Oldman's character didn't make any sense either. I mean, I loved his acting. He was so good. Like he yes. doesn't even look like Gary Oldman. Yes. He looked so young when I was watching. They all looked young when I was watching cuz it's a 20-year-old movie now. Yeah. Um and I couldn't figure out what accent he like he definitely had a kind of accent there in the I movie. I think they were going for southern yeah but like didn't quite make it yeah especially like his full name kind of sounds like he's supposed to be um oh yeah, yeah I read like this... jean baptiste emmanuel zorg yeah 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 um one of the trivia bits in this well a few different trivia bits um where is it uh he, okay so some trivia specifically with uh gary oldman the only reason he did the movie is because Luc Besson 
had helped fund one of Gary Oldman's previous projects. And so this was basically him because it was a friend of his. And basically it was like, yeah, you, you paid for that project. So yeah, you asked me to do this movie and I'm just going to be like, yeah, okay, (laughs) I'll do this movie. Um, Yeah, okay, so he said that he played Zorg as a cross between the then-presidential candidate Ross Perot and Bugs Bunny. (laughs) And more behind-the-scenes trivia. Uh, Luc Besson had been married to the woman who was playing the diva, Mm -hmm. Clava Laguna, not doing her voice, but the actress. Mm Mm-hmm. And he left her for Mila Jovovich during filming of this movie. They later got married. Fun set. Yeah, they later got married and then divorced two years later. Which, given that, like, have you seen any other Luc Besson films? I don't think I have. Oh, okay. Um, I've only seen a couple, and I haven't seen them in a long time. Uh, But there was the one that. called Leon the Professional. Oh, okay. I know it. I haven't seen it. Yeah, it was... Um, I've only seen it once a long time ago. I, I but like Natalie... the, the main actor in that one, I think. Hmm? There's Jean Ren- that one. Jean Renault. And yeah. Natalie Portman um, plays in it as well. And yeah, so like in, in that one... The, the story of it is that Natalie Portman's character is only 12, but is already familiar with the dark side of life. She has an abusive father who stores drugs. Her mother neglects her. And this guy, Leon, works down the hall, and he works as a hired hitman for a mobster. And then mm-hmm. Natalie Portman's family is murdered by, oh, the guy who Gary Oldman plays in that one. And then the girl joins forces with the hitman, to learn how to kill people so she can avenge her family. Oh. So. And then he also did Nikita. I never saw that. Again, I've only seen that one once. But it also is like a central woman who is a, a weapon or weaponized. Mm-hmm. Um, and... So, yeah. So, I found that interesting that there was this kind of central thread as, like, a woman as a a weapon. But yet, also, like, there's no other women in the movies. Yeah. Like, it's very... There's... I mean, I really, really noticed the, the mother... The nagging mother jokes this time. Mm-hmm. And the one at the end that they threw in for humor where, like, she's calling and the president talks to her and then is, like, every they're, like, lead the phone away, holding it by the tips of their fingers. Like, oh, my gosh. Ew, yuck. And <laughs> such a horrible woman. And then, yeah, every other woman in it is a sex object. And Lilo's a sex object as well. Yep. So I've, I'm just looking over his movies here and I've seen one other movie that he wrote. He didn't direct it. He wrote and produced it, though. And it was real bad. Which one was it? Hitman, which I saw with a friend who really liked the video games. 
Okay. It was really bad. Don't see it. Okay. There is one woman and she is also just there as a sex object. But like, besides that, it was not a good movie. Mm. Okay. So what makes this movie so enjoyable? You know, I guess it was just fun. It is really fun. And I could see where, you know, 20 years ago, when we were thinking about the future, this would be one way to see it going. Maybe. Yeah. Depressingly so. I like... I mean, it's got... It's got flying car chases. It's got explosions. It's got Bruce Willis being an action star, which is what he does best. This is true. You know, it's just a, it's just a good fun time popcorn movie. This is true. It and has a... I, I would assume for you and I, it's got a lot of nostalgia uh, mm-hmm. in it also. Mm-hmm. I would expect if you or I watched it for the first time this week, we would have very different feelings about it. That is true. I mean, 20 years ago, the strong woman stereotype Mm -hmm. was new and fresh. Yeah. But now it's like, okay, give us more representation than that. Yeah. Like, even the people who worked at McDonald's were, or the women who worked at McDonald's were just sex objects. Oh, yeah. And the flight attendants. Yeah, absolutely. And there's another thing about the world building that made no sense. Where were they going? How did they get there? What was happening? How How is this like... We're, we're, they went on a space plane. No, I get that. But it, how fast was it? Where? Did, uh, why? I need more. They were going... I know. It was light on the science. It was just a very I fantastical world. I don't even need the science. I just need some more explanation about how the rules of this world works. Like, they know that there are aliens, mm-hmm. and but also humanity seems to have spread across the universe. But also, I think there's like 200 billion people on Earth, he said. Right. Like, what, and also, oh, there's nothing that upsets me more of when, oh, we're in the future and Earth is all one, but it's just American. Like, <laughs> like right? It, it, uh, whatever. Well, I mean, and they were in New York, so. But no, like he was the president of the United Federation or whatever. I'm like, oh, right. So he, the United States, just took over, and we're all cool with that. Gotcha. Which doubly upsets me because this was made by a European writer and director. Right. I mean, I guess it was probably made with American money, but eh, I hate that. That part didn't bug me as much. In terms of like the the plot of the adventure save the world, it did have a few good like a few good beats to it mm-hmm. that I noticed. Like I think there were several scenes where Zorg thinks he's got the stones. And then mm-hmm. doesn't have the stones. Mm-hmm. I think that came up three times in the movie. I think just twice. Just twice? The first box and the second box. The first box and the second box. I thought there was a part... Anyway, you're probably right. But then there was also, like, this three-beat of sacrifice, which I think is part of why Lilu's thing at the end seemed contrived. 
because they mm-hmm. wanted to make it her sacrifice as the third part, but they didn't quite make it consistent with her character. Because they have, like, the first alien who comes down and gets locked in the Egyptian tomb or whatever it is. Yeah. He gets crushed in the wall. And then the diva is sacrificed in order Mm. to get the stones there safely. And then it was like they tried to get, like, a a sacrifice of Lilu at the end, who then is saved by, you know, the love of a man. Which There's another bit that made no sense. Part. How did the stones get into the diva? What was the plan to get them out? Was she always going to have to die? How did she not die getting the stones into her? Did she grow around the stones? I need more. I, I was thinking more of it like being a surgical implantation that would then be surgically removed. Or maybe it's part of her unique alien that, physiology. Maybe she just has a lot of empty areas, which is really just a recipe for cancer when you think about it. <laughs> well, I mean, they have shape-shifting aliens. Right? Okay. They can, like, you know, move their physiology around. Okay. Sure. Fine. I'll take it. You'll take it? <laughs> God, it was... I, couldn't, I can't help thinking about how gross it must have been to reach into her and pull it out, though. Pull them out. Uh, I'm like, ugh. Yeah. Like, what if you accidentally pull out her intestine, too? Ooh. Ooh. Ugh. And then it was a bit magic-y as well. And, like, you know, the stones have this, you know, ancient mystical power. Mm-hmm. And that's a very common trope. And how could I forget this is my favorite Luke Perry role? This is your favorite <laughs> Luke Perry role. I do enjoy this one. My favorite is, of course, Pike, but... From the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. Um, I have not but... seen that. <laughs> oh, don't now. I mean, mm-mm, it's... Mm-mm. I actually really enjoyed the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie, but I also saw that in theaters when I was, like, seven. So, again, <laughs> there's some nostalgia in there. Right, right. Oh, the other interesting thing I think I heard about it, but I I can't remember where or when I heard this, but I'm pretty sure Luc Besson actually... Um, oh yeah, here it is. Uh, Jean-Paul Gaultier worked with him for the costuming. I don't know who uh, that is. So for okay, so Jean-Paul Gaultier is like a fashion designer, mm-hmm. like in the in the haute couture world. Okay, so that's like high high fashion. The things that go down. Yes, runways I do know that, that. Yeah, that you don't actually see people wearing on the street. Yeah, and so Luc Besson worked with him to do a lot of the costume design for the film, which I think is part of why I love it. Uh, Like the costuming, the cinematography, the color work in the film, Mm -hmm. all of that I think was beautiful. The soundtrack, the soundtrack is one of my favorites. Yeah, that's good. I I adore all of those elements. Mm -hmm. And it does have some good action scenes and some really good dialogue bits especially from bruce willis and gary oldman yeah i also i really like the whole sequence with him and and rudy ruby chris tucker like that whole sequence is real good them working together and i i like all the the ruby rod stuff too yeah (laughs) i i could see very easily where it would just like 
piss some people off. Because it is, like, Ruby Rod is incredibly over the top. And they play it up for laughs. And, like, they have the women fainting. And it's, yeah, incredibly over the top. But I really enjoy it still. And so I guess you can take Ruby a couple of different ways. Because I did read that uh, Luke Besson specifically made all the men in the movie less quote unquote manly so that Bruce Willis would be like this godlike epitome of manliness. But with Ruby, like he is very, I can't think of a word. Uh, he's well, he's very unstereotypically manly and even calls himself Miss at one point. Yeah. But uh, also is mm-hmm. very attractive to all the ladies. Yes. And, and uh, yeah, I very would, sexual. Yes. I would love to see this like, it's like they went with the whole thing where the, the outer appearance is very fluid. Mm-hmm. But it's still an incredibly heteronormative world. Yeah. Um, Like, it would have been nice to throw in some male admirers for Ruby. Rudy? Ruby? It is Ruby. It is Ruby, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, especially ones that weren't just played for laughs, like his assistants. Yes, yes. No, we don't need gay panic 300 years in the future. We can be firmly beyond that. Yeah. and, like, everything is just so heteronormative, like, because all the girls are in the sex ob- object roles. Yeah. Like, there were no female... Or there were... All the females were flight attendants. The males were the pilots and the the ground crew. There was one female soldier, but she was, again, played for laughs. Like, she was... Yes. Overly butch, quote-unquote. Yes. And, you know, everybody gave her a look like, ugh... Yeah. I just rolled my eyes in a very big way. Yeah. Did you see the visual similarities to Star Wars? Uh, Like, just, I'm thinking of that one woman, because she had the, the oh, iconic... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She had the, <laughs> Carrie the Fisher buns. Yeah. yeah. On. And then the government ships, I found, were very um, Star Wars-esque. And they actually used some of the same source material. That was one of the other things I was reading. Um, oh yeah, there was an accusation of uh, plagiarism from someone else as well. Yeah, so cartoonist Jean-Claude Mezier of My Fifth Element said Luc Besson approached him for ideas, telling him, I want to make a movie based on your visuals, but I am ready to pay you for the work. The nuance is because there has long been a controversy that many elements in the Star Wars saga, several aliens, Darth Vader's costume, Leia's golden bikini, Han Solo's Corbinite, were lifted almost unmodified out of Valerian, which is, I guess, by this cartoonist? Yeah, Valerian is a movie, like, Luc Besson has since made a movie about Valerian. Yes, yes. Because, yeah, I was watching this time and there was a few points where I was like, oh, the design of these ships just reminds me of some of the Star Wars ships. And I'm not going to know the names of the Star Wars ships because I'm not a Star Wars fan. And then I saw her hair and there was a few other things with, like, the coloring in the uniforms that just reminded me of some of the Star Wars uniforms as well. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I saw 
like the hair especially i just assumed it was an homage but mm-hmm. i guess uh, and i wasn't paying too much attention to that to like ships and stuff because i i don't do that mm-hmm. but i don't know all i really all i really got was the hair okay and if it you know if you're just seeing one you just sort of think of it as an homage true trying to think if there's anything else i definitely want to discuss i mean we've been pretty hard on the movie but i do still really like it yeah i think well like i said in the context of when it was made and knowing that it was written by a teen boy and like you said he wanted to effeminize all the men except for bruce willis Mm -hmm. and the only woman there was lilu like there were very few other women who got named there was the diva who dies Mm -hmm. um you know his mom technically i guess is mrs dallas uh his ex-wife doesn't get named uh but they call her a two-timing slut yep (laughs) there are the i mean i'm if she did cheat on him i'm actually okay with that well like why was it necessary no no that's fair that's fair but i just mean i i would say mean things about somebody who cheated on my friend too so oh fair i may not call him or her a slut but i i would say unnecessarily mean things okay and then like all the other women are like uh women in the background in uniforms this you know the stewardesses or the flight attendants the mcdonald's cashier there was the president's aide who gets like you know little lines like 30 seconds to air but i never actually caught her name i don't even remember her like i I have no memory of that being a woman I yeah. just assumed everybody in that scene was a man. Yeah. I was trying to keep track of, like, when women were on the screen. Hmm. And there's incredibly few of them. Yep. Um, all of them are presented as somehow not acceptable. Like, the, the female military officer is, is put in there as a joke. Yeah. You know? Um, it's It's never... She is not portrayed at all as, like, attractive. And there's nobody in the priesthood that's a woman. There's just Lilu. Mm-hmm. Who takes off her clothes a lot. And mm-hmm. who everybody calls perfect after seeing her naked. Yes. And, I mean, they never... He never seems to notice that, oh, hey, she learned English in, like, a day. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, acknowledge any of her other contributions. She just, she has ple- key plot information. She knows where the stones are. She, you know, that's it. They also, you know, like, quote unquote, fall in love in a day. Because this whole movie takes place in two days. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> oh, and then. I think we were supposed to be talking about things that we liked about this movie. <laughs> Right. But okay, so putting into the, that into the context of this is a 16-year-old boy's vision of the future, of a love story, action adventure, save the world sci-fi movie. You know, it's fun. It Sure, it's fun. I don't think we should give our 16-year-old boys uh, 
a pass to think of women as sexual objects. But yeah, no, it's fun. Yeah. I say and our I, as if collective 16-year-old boys. Okay, I could see this as being an example of an immature writer who lacks in self-awareness, but who mm. knows how to put together an action film that is visually and and uh visually pleasing yeah and yeah yeah no again i i do really like this movie we haven't I talked can't... much about the performances of the various actors because i think that's part of what carries a lot of it too yeah like i, I did mean, say i did mention that i love the whole thing with bruce willis and and chris tucker that whole scene is fabulous i i love it so much mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's funny it's action it's good and, like, he's narrating it for his radio show the entire time. Yes. He's but, a pro, man. Yeah. It's like, we're in the first row. Somebody come and get us. It's like, there's somebody coming. Oh, and when he's got the gun, that was so good. He's like, this isn't me. This isn't me. I can't do this. And he's, like, shaking. Yeah. That was real good. Yeah. Uh, I think one time I, when we'd been talking about it with a group of friends, we all brought up that you know ruby rod is like us in an emergency yeah <laughs> like most people in an emergency we are ruby rod we are not bruce willis yeah and he does <laughs> he does a couple of real good just high-pitched shrieks yes <laughs> and they're all very good yeah um also i really enjoy ian holm in this yes yeah i was and gonna I- say ian holm is amazing yeah, I always forget that it is Ian Holm. Again, he's so young. <laughs> yes, young. Um, I really liked the performance of Bruce Willis's fake hair. It looked it looked pretty good. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, it helped to make that twenty year age difference. Yeah, <laughs> not stand out quite so much. To be fair, he doesn't physically look twenty years older than her. I think he does. Oh, do you? I think she looks 16 and he looks 50, but maybe not 50, but he looks old and she looks very young. Mm. I did think she looked a lot younger this t- this watch through than I had before. But yeah, and, okay. And, mm-hmm. Okay, so Gary Oldman is very very good in this other than I don't I don't know as we discussed we've no idea what accent he was going for. Mm-hmm. But like what what was his motivation? Like, at one point he says, my price has tripled to the shadow, Mr. Shadow. Right. The, mm-hmm. the planet that calls him on the phone, whatever. Um, and what does he want this money for if he's still on the planet that's going to be destroyed? I could understand if he was somewhere else in the universe, because we see that there is a big wide universe, and this malevolent force is just coming to destroy Earth, which, again, that makes no fucking sense either, but whatever. But he's just gonna die too. Well, we don't, we don't know that it's gonna blow up the Earth. Like, it wants to bring evil to the Earth. It, so it wants to incite evil chaos death and destruction they're assuming it's gonna come and destroy the earth but okay they don't actually s- say that i would say it's actions at the end where it is speeding towards earth for impact i i mean i guess that may have just been a last ditch effort to not have the fifth element get them but yeah 
that could have been like, okay, we're obviously not going to get the stones and get ourselves into place before the fifth element is. So now let's just wipe it out. But like Gary Oldman's character, he has that whole part where like, you know, um, destruction promotes this cycle of life, which is a flawed economic theory. So yeah. I could see where he would think, you know, basically the arms dealer's idea of, you know, war is good for business. Right. So this guy's going to come and he's going to get the stuff and he's only going to pay me for helping him get the stones. But then Earth's going to be in chaos and I'm going to be this weapons dealer who's going to be making lots of money now because I can profit off of this chaos and war. Okay, that's that's fine. I guess uh, much of the movie implies that it is coming to destroy the Earth in which case everybody would be dead, including Zorg, so I did not understand his motivations or why mm -hmm. he wanted money, because he was going to be dead. And to the best of my knowledge, you can no longer use money after you die. I mean, yeah, I've I think, never died, so I don't, I don't know. I hadn't thought about it before watching this movie, but I think there was a line between Ian Holm and someone else where they said, and what happens if you know, evil gets there before the fifth element kind of idea or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm. And him him having like a one-line thing of, oh, you know, it's going to plunge the world into destruction, darkness, all of that. Mm. I don't remember. It was very late last night and I <laughs> didn't realize I should have been paying more attention to that part. I forgive you. Yeah. Um, there are a couple of really, like... A couple things I want to point out that are, like, really over-the-top misogynistic bits that I really want to just, uh, like, take out of the movie altogether. Mm -hmm. um, so, there is the part with Ruby Rod where he's going through the hall and, like, narrating who he sees. Mm -hmm. And then he plays an audio recording of a woman he's having sex with. Yeah. That is awful. Yes. And it is played for a joke. Yes. The other joke bit that happens way earlier is when Corbin shows up with an unconscious woman in his arms to the priest's door. And his, like, no-pause reaction is weddings are on a different floor. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, no. Un unconscious women are not ready to get married. <laughs> And then the nagging mother phone bit at the end was very awful as well. Mm -hmm. So those are the worst bits. There is also, like, literally, Ruby has sex with one of the flight attendants while she is saying no. Um, that is true. Though, like, yes, that is true. She is saying no. They should have rewrote the lines. Yeah. I mean, I, I get what they were going for there, but she's literally just saying, no, 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 no. True. True. In the context of the scene, it doesn't seem like he is breaching her consent. So if you, like, mute what she's actually saying, she yeah. seems to be clearly enjoying herself. And him, what he's doing. Right. But I don't think she wanted it to happen there and then. Right. I get, I, like, I don't mind that scene. I just think they could have written that better. Yeah. Yeah. I can't think of anything else terribly problematic. I mean, other than everything 
the whole movie that we've talked you- about already. <laughs> Okay, so should we take it up a notch with some of our favorite bits? Like, you've said all the Ruby Rod stuff. Yeah. Um, I love how everything is green in the future to be good. Was it green? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, green. Yeah. Like, like crystal green. Yeah. <sighs> um, I love that part. There's some very iconic Lilu Dallas lines, or I guess just Lilu lines. Um, like... For a long time, one of the quotes in our house was just like, chicken, good. (laughs) (laughs) Or the, give me the cash. Oh, yeah, yeah, give me the cash. With the guy at the beginning holding him up. Yeah. Uh, And then Lilo Dallas saying, multipass. Multipass, yeah. Multipass. I I do like the end when they're trying to figure out the stones and everybody's just like, ugh. (laughs) Right. You know? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love when Gary Oldman's walking away from letting the one set of aliens have the crate of guns. Yeah. And he's like, oh, these guys, you know, I don't like these guys. They're sloppy. They're not killers. And then the person's like, well, what would make them killers? And he's like, you know, a killer would ask what that little button on the bottom of the gun would does. Yeah. And then you show them and they're all just like playing around with it and they blow themselves up. And, uh. Yeah, yeah, well, this movie had really good editing. Yes. There are some times when they, like, edit together three completely different scenes, but make them all work as, as like, one thematic sequence. There are a couple different times that they did that. And they yes. do that really well. They do. Um, the scene with the plane taking off when they're having sex and their Ruby Rod is having sex with this, the uh, flight attendant and... Um, that was also edited in with something else going on. Yeah, like something uh, blew up, didn't it? They were getting the parasites out of the landing gear. And I, I Ian Holmes' character was sneaking else. on the plane. I swear there was something else, too. But yeah, that was all edited together very well. Yeah. The fight sequence at the end, where they had, like, Lilu fighting in one spot and what was going on in the other. Mm-hmm. And the, the diva's uh, song... Mm-hmm. And it was going back and forth. was really good. Um, the Diva's song was amazing, her mm-hmm. performance. And again, that was a, a part where just the visuals of the movie were amazing. Mm-hmm. And the visuals themselves were always really fun. Like, it wasn't a dark, drab sort of future. Yeah. And I actually, I also really like at the very end when uh, the young dude, David... Mm-hmm. you know after they've saved the world or whatever just like yeah and he sort of yells that and it, yeah and then ruby's like what's wrong with you i'm leaving <laughs> and he just walks yes. off into the desert presumably I guess. <laughs> yes see that was really good comic relief because mm-hmm. that was all just like character and situational because you had like david who is like this earnest character who is learning about this incredible responsibility like he's the next generation that's mm-hmm. who ian holm is training in all of this lore because they know the evil is coming and he has to pass this knowledge on and so you got the super serious earnest character contrasted with ruby rod who is like this over-the-top dj mm-hmm. who's like this personality who is way out there who is you know that's his thing as being more extreme than the last and then when david lets loose with like an outburst 
that's yeah. like what what pushes Ruby Rod over the over the top. And he's like, "What's wrong with you?" And so it's just this hilarious moment that works so well just because of their characters. Yeah, I did enjoy that. So basically, and, I liked Ruby. Yes, and uh, I liked a lot of Bruce Willis's lines and his delivery. He had the he ad libbed the line. Hey, lady, I only speak two languages, English and bad English. Yeah, that was good. He threw that in there. It was not part of the script. Um, also, like, his reaction to Lilu first speaking, he hadn't heard any of those dialogue before. Mm-hmm. So, like, his confusion and everything was just, like, honest reaction. <laughs> and same with his reaction to the diva. He had not heard her the singing yet. And so that was just him being like honestly amazed at the performance of the song. Hmm. So, just, and then I just, I was going to say, I just find Bruce Willis to be sort of fun. Like he always seems to be playing a character seriously, but you can also tell that he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Like he's, he knows it's just a character and he's having fun doing it. Mm hmm. I was just going to um, correct what I'd said before. This was not at all made with American money. It's a European film. So why it is so very American coded, I don't know. That That's all. I haven't gotten any answers. It could have been more generic, but when they cast Bruce Willis, like everybody maybe else they decided- is European. Oh, Chris uh- Tucker. And Luke Perry, I guess. But I mean, like Ian Holm and Gary Oldman and Mila Jovovich and... Yeah, yeah. No, I I get you there. Uh, Okay, so now I think we've said everything we want to say about the movie. Yeah. If you don't look too hard at it, it's a real fun time. Yes. It is a fun movie, and I enjoy it. And I will continue enjoying it, even though I can acknowledge that there's all these problems and flaws. Yep. Uh, what are we doing next week? Next week, we are going to have Nerdfest number two. Yay. And then the week following that, I'm also very excited because we're going to watch the pilot episodes for Deep Space Nine, The Emissary. Hopefully it's better than some of the other Star Trek you forced me to watch. It is the best, Kate. The best. All right, all right. And then after that is my choice. Yes. Which will be good. (laughs) Yes. I know Uh, what it's going to be. I'm just going to let you stew about it for a while. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, If any of our listeners have any other suggestions of movies that we could or should watch, uh, movies with a sci-fi theme, with... uh, movies that feature women in command situations, anything like that, feel free to send us recommendations. And I guess, do you have a recommendation for us this week, Kate? Yes, I did. And I didn't write it down and it's gone from my brain. Okay, I'm going to recommend my, I'm going to recommend milk tea, which is my new favorite morning beverage. And... We discovered this when we traveled in Japan because mm-hmm. they sell it quite frequently over there. Mm-hmm. And it's usually just like a breakfast tea 
made with lots of sugar and milk and iced. Although I think you can get hot milk tea there too. Mm-hmm. And I've been making it home this week because it's been really warm out. So yes, yes, it has. It has been very refreshing. So okay. there's my recommendation. Uh, my recommendation is um, our sort of local symphony does this. So I assume other cities do as well. Um, mm-hmm. where they do a series where they play the soundtrack to a movie, and you can watch the movie at the symphony. Oh. And they do a bunch of different movies. Um, like, a friend and I are slowly seeing all the Harry Potter movies done that way. But they've also done the Star Wars movies, Indiana Jones, movies that are known for their good music. I think they've done Jaws and E.T. Do they actually show the whole movie while you're there? Yeah, you watch the whole movie, and they play the entire soundtrack. Oh, okay, because I've seen the advertisements for it, but I thought it was just going to be, like, you know, the songs from the movie with maybe some montage edited okay. together film on the so back. So, locally, if you go mm-hmm. to the Vancouver Symphony Orchestra, they do the thing mm-hmm. with you watch a movie and they play the soundtrack to the movie. Um, there's another local thing that I've had advertised to me on Facebook where they are indeed just playing, like, highlight music from movies. Okay, so look I know into that what they you do that for video game themes as well. Yeah, um, which I mean, I'm sure that's fun too. So I I love the symphony in in general. I I enjoy the symphony. Um, but if you're looking specifically to watch a movie and watch mm-hmm. them play the music at the same time, uh, just just be careful what you're buying because there are both. Mm-hmm. And I like it. I mean. Sometimes you're just watching the movie and you completely forget that there's a symphony there because it, it's so good. Like, they're so on point with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes I'll just be like, I'm just going to watch this man play the timpani for a bit because I love a good timpani. <laughs> Which is very <gasps> true. I love a good timpani. Yeah, I'm always upset when we have seats where I can't see the timpani because they're my favorite. Oh, okay. You're a percussion fan. A timpani specifically. Okay. Other than that, I'm a woodwind person, considering the seven years of my life that I played a saxophone. Oh, okay. Eight eight years of my life? Well, whatever, a long time. So, yeah, I recommend the symphony in general, but then playing the soundtracks to movies while you watch the movie in specific. It's a lot of fun. Okay. I think that's everything? I think so. All right. Thank you for listening to Kate and I mostly rant about The Fifth Element, which we promise we really do like as a movie, <laughs> even though we brought up a lot of problematic things. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, if, if you have questions or comments you would like to share, you can contact us. Uh, we are on Twitter, where we are at a... Com- where we are at command of her own. We have an email if you want to email us some longer thoughts or just not have it out in a public place like Twitter. So our email is own at gmail.com. And we do have an Instagram, though we haven't put up much there lately. But you can check out what we have shared at instagram.com slash own. Yes. And I've been, I've been Jen. And I've been Caitlin. And we'll see you next week. See you. Bye. Bye.